These are the Keishi Tapes. You, Man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. Hey, everybody, it's time for the Keishi Tapes, and it's time for edition number 59. And it's brought to you by Black Raven A... AFC, AFC, not AMF. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, John, you know, if you want your business website to get found online, it takes strategy. You know, you got to make sure people find you first when they search. So putting together a search engine optimization plan with a team right here in St. Louis is your first step to getting found. So don't just get found when people look for you. Get found when people look for what you do. Start implementing a better SEO plan today. Let Black Raven AFC help you today. Just go to BlackRavenDigital.com and reach up today. Good. Now, today we are doing Rich Robinson of the Black Crows, and this is a very recent interview that Favaz did with Rich. It's about a year. This is not the one in January. I did one in January, and we really, we we talked about Chris a little bit. This one is from August of 2018, and I believe we talk about uh, the whole situation a little more. You know, the Black Crows just announced... If the Black Crows, it's kind of funny to say that. It's just Chris and Rich and four other dudes that have never been in the band before. And they basically uh, picked those four from what I've heard. So they don't, you know, they're going to keep their mouth shut. They're not going to say anything. So Chris and Rich are going to be in charge. They're going to get most of the money. And uh, they're going to do a big uh, four-month tour coming up in 2020. This was long before they decided, hey, we're going to get back together. Long before Steve Gorman's book came out talking about how money-hungry they are. So... um, it's uh, it's an interesting. When you say long before, how much before? <clears throat> uh, well, this was August of eighteen. Oh, okay. So, so not that far back. Uh, well, but, but they were still 18. at odds. Yeah, yeah, they were definitely still at odds at that yeah. point. Okay. So, so the environment has changed. It has. It's Casey ninety five. With me on the phone is Rich Robinson of the Magpie Salute. Hi, Rich. Welcome back to Casey in St. Louis. Hey, thanks, man. How you how you doing? I'm all right. So um, the Magpie Salute, the record, finally came out, um, and it's called High Water One. Is that how you're referring to it as? Exactly. Okay. Are you fi- are you glad that Whoa, this thing is finally Whoa, did you almost say the F word? No, finally. Oh. Yeah, it's been a long buildup, you know, but it's been great. What, uh, I mean, <laughs> is, is part of it because what? he he just gives, hey, it's been a long buildup, but it's been great. <laughs> it's the kind of that, answers that he gives sometimes. Is that the way the whole interview goes? Uh, I, I don't remember. Yeah, you know, Magpie Salute. I, I never got into that, but uh, no, they 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 never had any big time success. They had they had a couple good songs, and yeah. um, you know the reason that we're doing this interview as compared to the one that I did in studio in January is that we only talked about Chris one time. I listened to that whole thing, yeah. and I asked him, uh, you know, do you ever care if? Uh, you have your brother back again, not even the Black Crows, but your brother. And he's like, eh, no, I'm okay, but it mm. would be nice if I had my brother back. Okay. And so that was January, and I'm thinking, I wonder if, Something's- you know, had been going on at yeah. that time. Yeah. So so who was with uh, Paul Rogers in Bad Company for a while? Is that Chris or Rich? That it was, was Rich. That was Rich. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Rich uh, performed with them yeah. here in St. Louis. Yeah, I know. I saw it. It was yeah. great. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. What, uh, I mean, it, it is, is part of it because... You know, your departure from the Crows and everything, and the first record record was mainly covers, but this time... Well, the, yeah, the, the first record, I mean, the whole thing is that it was really kind of an organic birth, 
in a sense, of a band. You know, we weren't planning on being a band. I was touring on my last solo record, Flux, and a show popped up in, in um, upstate New York where we were invited to come into a studio and play in front of a, you know, a live audience and record a live record of. And so, you know, I recorded a bunch of my songs and, you know, covers and stuff like that. So I'd reached out to Mark Ford to see if he was interested because, I mean, I hadn't spoken to him in 10 years, but. Right. Just, yep. Mark Ford used to be in the Black Crows. Yep. Okay. Guitar player. Great guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he and I have such a strong musical connection and I realize what a gift that is in my older age. <laughs> Took him 10 years to realize it, though. But, uh... <laughs> it doesn't include him in this version of the band coming up. <laughs> That's right. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not in it. Mark Ford, any of the play, like in the the as I said, the four players that they've got with them have never been in the Black Crows yeah. before. Why would he leave him out? I wonder. That's I don't know yeah. because he doesn't want him. I don't know if Mark speaks up and you know has a say, you know, and, and tries to say, "Well, I think we should do things this." You know, they don't want anybody saying anything. Yeah, want to do this, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't care what it is. I'll come do it." And I felt like he was on the same page as me. And then I reached out to Eddie Harsh. And he said, Who's yes. dead now? So, yeah, it was really cool. When did he die? Uh, a couple of years ago, at least. From what? Uh, I don't remember, but he was a heavy drug user mm. and um, partier. And, but, but he was a great keyboard player for the Black Crows, and yeah. <clears throat> he has passed on. So, basically, they came into my solo band, which I liked the merging of those two contexts. And we recorded a bunch of shows, and that was going to be it. But then, you know, and uh, everyone felt like there was something special there. And I spent the rest of my tour, you know, just thinking about what we would call it, what songs would we do, how would we do this. And then we put a show up for sale, and then we put three more up for sale, then we decided to book a tour. And when we booked a tour, we were like, oh, yeah, I remember we made that record last summer. Let's just put that out. <laughs> so it was, it was just really kind of, you know, organic and just, you know natural in that sense but then after touring all last year this year we wanted to make a, a full original album and that's what we did and how i mean that process of making an original album back in the days when you were the crows i remember you know southern harmony took just a couple weeks others probably took longer but in 2018 is the process a lot different of writing recording and getting it out there is it quicker no, not the way that I do it. Um, I mean, you know, Southern Harmony took eight days. Wow. We went in and, and we had 12 or 14 songs. We just knocked them out, you know. Uh, but that was like the first album, right? That was the second record. Second record. And they had songs already written, you know. The first record didn't do much. Uh, the first record was their, I think, their most successful. But if you look at the the next one, it, it's the it's the typically typically Black Rose fans that you know, they'll they'll say that's the best record, the second one. Yes, so, yeah, Southern mm -hmm. Harmony. Mm -hmm. Um, we had just come off of a twenty two month tour and played three hundred and fifty shows, and we were ready to go. You know, right? Uh, America took a year because we scrapped one record and then went back in and did another, and it was, and that's just what it took. We wanted to make like a really kind of epic sounding record. That being said, the way that I've always worked is just, you know, you go in and you do what is necessary. And this record, we didn't need to spend a ton of time on it. We recorded 29 songs in 21 days. <laughs> That's a pretty good clip. Yeah, exactly.
and then you whittled it down to the to your favorites. Is that how it goes? Well, no. I mean, you know, I put everything sort of on a table and looked at it because we recorded High Water One and Two at the same time, and High Water Two will come out early next year. I see. Okay. Yeah, which would be cool. Really cool. And uh, I I know you're probably not involved so much with the booking and, and stuff like that, but I know you haven't been through St. Louis yet, but I did finally hear of a venue that you guys might be playing at. And I know that St. Louis was always good for the Black Crows, and I'm absolutely I'm sure it will be great for the Magpie Salute. Yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to it. Was it? So they ended up playing at Delmar Hall, and it was a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of weird... Chris, with his band, when he did his hits of the Black Crows, he played the pageant and sold it out. But when Rich comes with his band, uh, Magpie Salute, they played Delmar Hall, and they did not sell it out. Wow. So, yeah. you know, look who, who the bigger, you know, draw is hmm. right there. So. You know, I mean, we go back out. But he was using Magpie Salute as the drawing name. Right. A lot of people don't know that name. True. Black Crows. If you'd have put Black Crows does magpie salutes or something <laughs> i mean you know or with magpie it would probably would have sold out the yeah they did home. some black crow songs but uh yeah i mean it's magpie salute yeah that's the name that just never caught on with me yeah uh you know we finish in the states and set at the end of september then we go to europe for a month in november december and then come back and then january 5th we go to japan and then we come back and start in the states again and you know there'll be a midwest run and a west coast run which will be cool yeah right on we're talking to rich robinson of the magpie salute rich are you absolutely sick did he not want you to identify him as also a former member of black crows or well i don't know you're gonna hear right here of black crows questions are you sick of Black Crow's uh, questions? No, I mean, you know, look, it was a big band. I was part of it. That was my music, and that was my band that I formed. I mean, I'm proud of it, you know, so. All right, well, good. I, I don't. Because <laughs> I've got one, and it's okay. it's it's not a, it's not one. I mean, I probably asked it last time I talked, or no, I, I, I asked you different ones last time because it was fresh and everything of what happened between you and Chris. But this time around, Chris was just in St. Louis in May, and he played, and I went to see it. And uh, he did like 17 shows. Uh, and the year before, he said he would never sing those songs again. And here, he, you know, he comes out, doesn't put anything new out, but he takes his band. He does 17 shows. He was more, it seemed like, enthusiastic on stage um, this time around than, than what I can remember for the last couple of times with the Black Crows. Did he go out on tour just as a, as a F you to you? Uh, you know, I don't know why he did it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, he, where, he goes more into it where you were going on yeah. that. I think, you know, maybe it was a money thing. Um, yeah. maybe was, <laughs> so I, I don't really know. My whole thing is just don't be a hypocrite. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Well, is that part of the reason why he did it? Because I mean, he was he, he was so adamant about in his interviews, you know, the last year calling you guys a Black Crows cover band and all that stuff, and then you know that he would never sing these, and you know he was into his hippy dippy trippy stuff, and then all of a sudden I see Chris Robinson is coming to the pageant, and I I couldn't believe it. Well, you know, I know he's getting divorced, so I think it's probably a money grab. Oh, threw the divorce in there. <laughs> Um, you know, and secondly, you know, his whole rhetoric about 
how he's never going to play those songs and I'm somehow in a cover band while I'm playing my own songs that I wrote, <laughs> uh, you know, is just a sort of like a campaign to try to, you know, his mind, when you surround yourself with people that agree with everything you do, um, you start to lose the grip of reality. And maybe he worked that into his reality that... Brought up divorce and delusional. <laughs> Somehow I had nothing to do with, you know, writing every song, Black Crow song. And, you know, and it's funny because he hired these two dudes to play guitar. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't even play in the proper tunings where I wrote the songs in. Trashes the band. Trashes the band. Not only is he trashing the band, <laughs> not only is he trashing the band here, when he came into town, so this was in August and then January of this, of this past year, he trashed them again. He said, you know, he doesn't have these good guitar players, you know. they. I wrote the songs. I know yeah. how to play them. Well, who owns the name Black Crows between the two of them, or is it a joint thing? And I think either one a, of them, I th- Either I one of them think, can go out and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> and from, you know, like hardcore Black Crows fans thought it was pathetic. Um, you know, but, you know, to each his own, everyone's got to do what they have to do. If that's his deal, let him go do it. You know, I'm happy to make music with with this band. We're very sort of uh, adamant about not going down that road that the Crows went down of negativity and horseshit. And right, you know that that's really where we are. You know, um, I, I have to tell you, as a big time Crows fan, I thought Chris sounded good, but yeah, the band just didn't have the groove. And I thought it all started with you know the drummer. And I emailed Steve Gorman about it. And I was just like, hey, man, I saw him. I was like, Chris was okay, but the band just didn't have it. Yeah, the band doesn't have it. And, you know, and, and they, you know, they don't know. I mean, that Marcus King kid doesn't, had never heard any of the Crow songs. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he's young. And, Marcus you know. King was just here, too. Was he? Yeah, he played, uh, I think he played Delmar yeah. just a matter of a couple of weeks ago. Mm. No, and, and so, but look, at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's- At the end of the day, he's getting divorced, he's delusional, <laughs> and his band sounds like crap. And he needed the money. And he needed the money. <laughs> that Chris can't share. <laughs> is it because, let me yeah. let me ask you this. You know I mean, I mean it's, it's, like, it's, it's like kids playing in a, you know, it's like there's a truck in the sandbox and you can't share it. You have to take it and go home. You know? I hear you. Let me, and now you always led the, the straight and, and, and sober life, and, and Chris, and we all know that he did not. Do you think that, over time, that drugs, alcohol, whatever, uh, played a part in that whole thing with him, you know, telling you and you and Steve that you would be off payroll or, or whatever it was, how, however it broke up. Did, did that have a lot to do with it? I think that um, I think fame is kind of the mo- can be one of the worst drugs possible. Um, and because the people, you know, depending on who you choose to have around you, um, you know, I think that it can be really dubious. And so I think that's probably what it is. But, you know, when you get high all the time and stuff like that, I think it clouds your judgment and maybe clouds your judgment of who you choose to have around you in the first place, you know. Rich doesn't do marijuana, doesn't do anything at, at all. all. Completely clean. Doesn't even drink. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, have, have they ever, have there been any well-documented fist fights between the two? Yeah, if you, I read Gorman's book. I mean, they, they, there was one famous one in New York where they had it out beforehand. They went and played just the two of them acoustically, and it was beautiful. But after that was over, boom, they went their separate ways, and they didn't want to talk to one another. 
But yeah, they were they were. Do I mean, man? And they had fist fights. Yes, absolutely. Brothers. Steve's yeah. book is so good, and I and I've met Steve enough times where. I believe his version of things. I don't even know what they would say, mm-hmm. you know, per se. And, you know, at the time when Rich was in the studio in January, Steve's book had not come out. I'm sure it was being written. It came out in just September, just a couple months ago. And, um, you know, I believe what Steve yeah, has to say. He was kind of like an unbiased uh, referee in between uh, the two, or was he kind on Kind of, side? yeah. But he was also, uh, even though he wasn't a blood brother, he was a, bro- he was a Robinson. He was there yeah. in the very beginning. He's yeah. the only guy that was left in the band. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to He didn't you. side with either one? No, he, he trashed both. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Let me ask you this. So I was listening to uh, Live at the Greek uh, Theater not that long ago, and I don't really think I ever asked you about the times when you were... Uh, basically with Jimmy Page, uh, you know, you guys did all the Zeppelin stuff. You did some Black Crow stuff. But, what I mean, as a guitar player, I'm sure it was great, you know, being on stage with him. But did you – was there any part of you that felt like, man, I don't know that I want to be in a Led Zeppelin quote-unquote cover band, if you will? Do you want to hear the story now about Jimmy Page that Steve told in his book, or do you want me to save it after, after this? Because we're talking about Jimmy Page right here. Yeah. You want to uh, hear now? Well, how about if I do a commercial for our sponsor, and then you tell us you mean, after that. Do you mean Black Raven AFC? I do mean Black Raven AFC, and uh, I have some information about them that I'd like to share with the people right now, if you don't mind. And we'll get right back to this interview, this fantastic, riveting interview, by the way, that Favaz is doing with um, Rich Robinson of Black Crows. Yeah, every business needs a good website. I mean, that goes without saying this day and age, right? Uh, and... To make you look real good, you got to have a company that can you know, do a great job with your website, and, and they will at Black Raven Digital. Um, if you aren't making a difference to the people who are trying to reach you or vice versa, your site is too slow or it doesn't connect properly or is hard to use by your team, you need to consider something reimaginable, something different. And they can do that for you at Black Raven AFC. They do this 24 hours a day, all day long, helping people run their websites in, in, uh, in optimum form. So to find out more about this company that sponsors our podcast here, The Case You Tapes, go to BlackRavenDigital.com. That's BlackRavenDigital.com and reach up today. Okay. So, do you want to hear the story now or do you want to wait? I do. You, all right. So, Steve, in the book, said that, uh, you know, Jimmy Page was out on tour with him and he got a hurt back, you know, and he had to. Jimmy post, hurt his back? Jimmy hurt his back. So, uh, at the time, the Black Crows, I believe, were given a new contract. I think they had signed with Virgin or something. So, they were going to make a record coming up. So, Jimmy Page comes up to uh, Rich Robinson and says, Hey, I've got a few riffs. I know the story. Go ahead. I've got a few riffs. Um, why don't we, uh, you know, you can take these riffs, give me some songwriting credit, and you guys can take them, and, uh, you know, we can work them out, and you guys can make your record. And Rich told him, no, we don't need your help. Yes. That's unbelievable. Terrible. Just yeah. that. Even if you're not going to use it, and I've said it on the air, you say, yeah, let's do it. And then shelve it, never yeah, use it, right. you know, but he told them then and Steve never knew. And then the next day, Jimmy quit the tour. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Page was, um, he was like, well, wow, these guys don't need me. You know, I'm sorry. He is Jimmy Page. Of sure. Led Zeppelin. Sure. So he went home, 
you know, and uh, that's how the tour ended. And Steve, at that time, never knew what had happened. He found out years later, mm. and he said he could have just just punched yeah. Rich right in the face. Yeah. And when I heard that, when I read that in the book, it really, it really hurt me. You know, considering that you know all this, I, I liked Rich. Yeah, you know, yeah. and he uh, he just told Jimmy Page to fuck off, basically. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy, you know, man. It is. So who is the bigger... Dickhead? Yeah. Chris. Chris is. Chris has always been known as difficult and... Uh, but Rich is the one that said that. But Rich did that. Yeah. Yep. No, not at all. Not at all. weren't a Led Zeppelin cover band. Right, you weren't, it but... Finite, it, it was a finite amount of time, and we were just out there for Jimmy. I mean, it was really good. It was just fun to do. I mean, some, you know, the thing is, is that it, there's no big statement... We played with Jimmy. He loved the Crows. He, we loved him. He's a good dude. We, we loved playing some Yardbird songs. We played some Pink Floyd songs, which he was into, some old blues songs, and we played some Zeppelin songs. And it was, and it, we were just there to give Jimmy a, a platform to play. He hadn't played in a long time, and right. I, I thought that was just a really cool thing to do. How cool was it to be next to him on stage as a guitar player? Oh, it was great. I mean, he was such a cool person and just loved still loved loved music and was playing his ass off. I mean, that's really all it was about. But you didn't need anything from him. <laughs> you know, I must say that I did like the Magpies version of Pink Floyd's. Did you do uh, Free Four or Fearless on the on that record? Fearless. Yeah, we were doing Fearless. That was a cool little version you guys did, I thought. Thanks, man. I, I like that a lot. All right, so, um, well, Rich, we, we, we want to see the Magpie in St. Louis. So, um, we'll I'm, be there, I promise. I'm, I'm hoping that it happens. And once again, High Water 1 is out. High Water 2, you heard the man say that it will be out in early 2019. And um, Rich Robinson, uh, great to talk to you, man. And uh, we can't wait to see you. And, and good luck with the record and all that stuff. Excellent. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you, Rich. You. Yeah, okay. man. Thank you. Uh, there you go. I'll, I have to admit, I have never been a real big Black Crows fan, and I don't know why. I, I like a lot of the songs yeah. on Southern Harmony for sure. Mm -hmm. What was the name of the first album? I don't even remember. Shake Your Money Maker. That's, Shake Your Money Maker. That's, that's, that's the, right. That's the yes. one they're going to tour. They're going to do in its entirety coming up on this tour. Oh my God! Yeah, there are good songs on that album oh, too. Great songs. On yeah, that record. Those first two albums both were loaded with great music. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why I never really became a big well, fan. Well, because but... after that they became, uh, you know, Chris's uh, concoction of what music should be. Mm -hmm. it, it was it was kind of trippy. He he got into the Grateful Dead, so he got into the jammy stuff, and and you know. The Black Crows live started really, you know, doing 12 minute versions of songs and things like yeah. that. And so they kind of, you know, they kind of took a detour from what we really like. Now, I hung in there. Um, you know, I, I love the Black Crows. Um, they're one of my top three bands of all time. It's Zeppelin, Pearl Jam and the Black Crows and um, and not in any particular order. And it was it was it was hard because yeah. you just you, there are some certain songs that should have been staples like. Hard to handle, and she talks to angels. Are monster songs. Yes. Chris didn't want to do them. Yeah, you're kidding want, me. No, he did not want to That's do crazy. them. And then now they're going to do them every single night coming up in 2020. How long do, do you this think tour. this is going to last? Well, I, I think that, and I've been asked this before. I think as long as there's enough money involved, it'll last. Hmm. So if the ticket sales are good. Which I don't know if they will be. I don't know what it sold here already. I mean, you know, they went on sale already. 
You know, uh, I wouldn't expect any kind of, you know, until you can really look at it till, you know, like April yeah. or something like that. Because I think it starts in May, June, July, August. I mean, I think it starts maybe in June, July, August, September. It goes in four months. And they're going to be here uh, in St. Louis in, in August. And I, I think when you get to springtime and people start, uh, you know, opening up their wallets a little more. Hey, I want to go to this show. I want to go to this show. Yeah. You know, only the hardcores right now that really believe in Chris and Rich are going to go. I, I just, personally, I wouldn't. Really? No, I, I'd go for free, but I would never, ever pay money to go see Chris and Rich and the four guys that they have in the band. Why? Because of Steve's book. I read Steve's book. Chris and, and Rich are, are money driven and this is a cash grab tour for sure and it comes on the but heels. a lot of artists do that i know but they totally dissed everybody else that was ever in the band the black crows for the, the black crows fans it was always chris and rich but it was steve it was mark ford you know it was fen on mm. bass you know so and all these guys are gone so what's possibly happening here you say that they they it's just those two the brothers because they want to just control everything yes but it's also very likely that they want to make sure that they're paying this band as little as they can pay them and they're making as much money as they can possibly make out of the deal too you could not be more correct john Hewlett. Hmm. well how well do you know these guys um i, I steve and rich i've met you know, a few times. And I, I know... Steve's, would they know you by name oh, or by... Steve would, yeah. for sure. Rich, may, I don't know. But Steve definitely would. Steve's going to be... Steve's band, Trigger Hippie, is going to yeah. play the Duck Room. And he's going to come on the Casey Morning Rock Show when you're gone. Yeah. And he's already... Uh, I have his email. Right. You know, and I, I emailed him and said, hey, why don't mm-hmm. we knock out your book and we can talk about the band. And so he's agreed to come on that morning what about chris you don't know chris i've never never I, i've met chris in meet and greets never interviewed him never interviewed mm-hmm. him does he do very very many interviews um i don't think that he does yeah. uh he did one for the opening of this this tour thing with howard stern and 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 i listened to a good bulk of it and it was just like what a bunch of shit it, it's just like oh let's let's hug hug and kiss kiss you know uh how he's changed and you yeah. know and and it's it could be true yeah. You know, I hope that it is. But I'm kind of surprised a promoter would take a chance, you know, uh, to get a involved. big chance. Yeah. It's a, it's a, cause if you read Steve's book and you read about all the shows they did and, you know, they were the band that had the chance to be monstrous big and they just never did. Yeah. And it was because of, you know, Chris's lack of writing a good set list and mm-hmm. wanting to perform certain songs. And, yeah. you know, that, that's why I just, I really like Steve's book. It's called Hard to Handle the Death of the Black Crows. That's Were you leery called. to bring up these uh, questions about his brother, or did you feel like he's he hates his brother so so much that you could easily bring stuff up and he'll just jump right in with you? Uh, I, I Rich to me in interviews was always very honest, so you know uh, I always prefaced it by saying, "Hey, you know, I know you're sick of the Black Crows questions," but he would say, "No, I'm not," you know, and then I would go. Yeah. So I I really didn't have any hesitation at all, and if I interviewed Chris. It would be kind of the same way, even though I don't know him. I mean, what what are you going to ask Chris Robinson? You're going to ask him about the breakup. You're going to ask him about what he really feels like about his brother, although he says he's fine and dandy right now. But mm-hmm. it's the same thing, man. I mean, you just you you can't go, gee, Shake Your Moneymaker was a great record. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys are going to do that record every night. You know, you, you've got to ask, you know, and I know you agree with me because you've done enough of these that you would ask him 
the the tough questions. Yeah. And if they don't want to answer them, they're, they're not going to answer them. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's uh, anything. Uh, finished there. Anything else? Uh, I think, uh, uh, I think that was it. it. Okay. Well, uh, this has been episode 59 of the Casey Tapes. I'm John Hewlett. You can follow me on Twitter at STLUman and on Instagram. I'm Johnny Hewlett. And thanks to Black Raven uh, Digital for sponsoring and Favaz here. And I'll see you guys next week. Adios, my friend. AMF. The Casey Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of Casey, go to Casey95.com or the Casey mobile app. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.